the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon on a sultry, hot, and humid afternoon here in Cleveland, Ohio. Let's start thinking positive, though, and... uh I got several quotes today, and I kind of like these. I long to accomplish great and noble tasks, but it is my chief duty and my joy to accomplish humble tasks as though they were great and noble. I think that was Helen Keller, by the way. Hope is a function of struggle. Where there is no struggle, there is no strength. I think that was uh, Oprah. Don't let the struggle break you. Instead, be the one to break it, so it can show you. So it can show you the blessing behind it. And then finally, the depths of your struggle will determine the height of your success. There we go, folks. Hey, we always talk about our webpage, and uh, you know, so you go to WHK fourteen twenty. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show and Tim Hayes. We have a bunch of stuff that you can get. We, you know, uh, if. It, you can go right to my webpage from, you know, the, the, the ad, I guess you want to call it, or a place where you can get the uh, podcast. By the way, you can check my record, see how it's done, okay? Um, anyway, uh, we have the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. You know, interest rates are the lowest they've been. You know, I heard the other day, don't quote me on this, but in 4,000 years. That's a long time, folks. <laughs> That's a really long time. You know, Buying bonds doesn't make sense, but selling bonds makes a lot of sense. If you can find somebody to borrow from, what a great time to borrow. A business owner's guide to transition planning. Uh, for all you guys out there who think you might be selling your business, that's the thing. That's, that's what you want to get. Money matters for the young professional. Women in Wall Street or women in wealth, a planning guide. We also have our ADR list. You know, Some of those are starting to break out. Our top ideas, our best ideas in small cap and in multi-cap, you know, the large cap, mid-cap, and small cap, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. Look, if you're looking for income, dividends are taxed at 18% or 15% plus 3% for Obamacare tax. That's 18. But they're still better than regular income like bonds and CDs, uh, and they can get growth. So uh, there we go. Plus, if, if you go to my webpage, you know, uh, we have Trend and Cycle on there. That's Rob Schleimer's group. He he has it weekly, and we have a weekly newsletter. Plus, on under Insights, this week, uh, you know, we have the Infrastructure Bill, the Green Metals, I'm going to talk about, um, Five Steps to Financial Confidence uh, for Girls, uh, for young ladies out there. All right? So, good stuff. Anyway, also, I highly recommend this, and people aren't getting it, so I know I'm on the right track. <laughs> whenever, whenever I uh, get somebody who... Or somebody's, uh, you know, not calling in for stuff. I know I'm in the right field. 
the electrical grid, and it's a vital industry uh, faces big upheaval right now. And then our global energy and power infrastructure. I'm going to talk about that in a second here. All right. Uh, well, maybe not in a second, but shortly anyway. So anyway, uh, people were asking me, uh, you know, what's going on, Tim? And, and, and I, by the way, this is the live show. So if you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That gets you into the studio. 216-901-0945. So I always look to Lori Calvacina, who um, she and Tom Lee are two of the best strategists on the planet. Unfortunately, I get to I get to listen to Tom Lee all the time, and uh, I get his emails and everything. And you know, there and Lori is our head strategist. Tom is fun strats and used to be Morgan Stanley's. But Lori uh, this week she she continues to to read all the the call transcripts from all the S and P five hundred companies. So she's really doing her work. Uh, and what she said. Uh, is the main trends have have stayed intact, and that is that a sizable majority have emphasized strong demand, with a noteworthy minority commenting on decelerating growth. Hmm. So, well over half of the August uh, reports have fallen into the concern or uncertain camp on Delta warrant variant, and uh, despite a considerable amount of time spent discussing the pressures from supply chains, you know, commodity and raw materials and labor. More than half emphasize margin expansion. That's a positive, folks, okay? That's big-time positive. And last week's results uh, had some heavy representation from retailers with a decent uh, dose of tech and industrial bellwethers in the mix. So in the wake of a very disappointing University of Michigan uh, consumer sentiment print two Fridays ago, you know, I mean, they dropped it 13 percentage points. The retailers did a good job. you know, look, I think investors have to think about the strength and the resilience of the U.S. consumer. Uh, nobody, no other country in the world has the has consumers like us. I, I think some key points included a strong back-to-school, um, you know, scenario, uh, strong in-store traffic, so people are still going to the stores, and the benefit of the trial, uh, the child tax credit extension. So, by the way, the home improvement market was described as strong. Uh, and they beat up Home Depot on that. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So uh, some other things that she, she talked about uh, this week was uh, she called the dog days of summer. And, you know, look, the end of the summer, every, everybody's on the island or they're, you know, uh, well, I don't know if they're there now because of uh, the hurricane. But uh, um, the three thing, big things you need to know is last week's earnings calls provide an important reminder of the strength of the U.S. consumer. And the reflation trade remains tethered to COVID trends. And then the third thing is equity investors have already priced in a tapering to a significant degree. Okay? So what we've seen is a stealth correction. The average stock's down 25%, folks. Okay? So what you're looking at is a scenario where, you know, hey, folks, you know, is it half full or is it half empty? All right? The public and the market going half empty. And if you look, you know, if you look at August 17th, 18th, and 19th, we had three straight down days in a row. But the panic showed up in the volatility markets, which, if it reverses, is a sign that the bad news is baked in, I think. And, uh, you know, I was reading Tom Lee, and he had he had some really good things to say. And, and I, I think, you know, if you look at the VIX uh, futures, you know, they popped up, and they, they the 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 spot price hit the futures price, which usually is a bottom. You know, it's been a bottom in the past, but 
we'll see what happens. I also think uh, one of the things that you got to take a look at is, uh, you know, people are starting to rally around this. You know, they don't want to hold cards, uh, and I don't blame them. Um, but the other thing, you know, the U.K. is, uh, you know, talking about uh, this a, a lot. So, um, you know, take it from there. Anyway, uh, look, the little shop of horrors. Uh, <laughs> you know, we had Jackson Hole. And, uh, you, you know, Jackson Hole has come and gone. And Powell was very, very subdued. Uh, I don't know if you listened to his speech, but he was very, very subdued. He said, yeah, we're going to start to taper a little bit, but don't worry. Uh, so we've been waiting and waiting towards this annual Jackson Hole Symposium. And they did it. Uh, when they said they were doing it virtual, I didn't think anything was going to happen out of it. And I, I guess I was kind of right. But uh, look, the record uptake of the Federal Reserve reverse purchase facility has caused some fear among investors, uh, that the systematic stresses may be brewing beneath the surface. But the drivers remain rather mundane, and we expect the conditions to normalize later this year. So, look, it, the uptake in the Federal Reserve overnight reserve uh, purchases, what they call the RRP, where the Fed takes excess cash out of the system by lending out securities it has on the balance sheet. And then they buy them back the next day, all right? And, and, and a lot of people say this tends to, uh, what's, what's the best way to put it? Uh, well, there becomes an anticipation, a fear in the banking system. Uh, but I think the Fed's just ahead of the curve, so it'll be back to normal normalization soon. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think the Treasury is, is cutting its cash level and the supply of outstanding Treasury bills. You know, money flowing into money market funds has only increased. Uh, so the money market funds have probably too much money. And, you know, I mentioned a couple months ago that J.P. Morgan doesn't want to take deposits anymore. So, you know, think about that. Now, I, look, you know, we had this thing in Kabul this week, which was a, just a tragedy. And, and uh, you know, Biden said he's going to hunt them down and make them pay. And he had the dro uh, drones over there over, overnight. So we'll see what happens. It doesn't sound like we're getting out of there as fast as anybody anticipated. Uh, and the other thing we noticed is that the positivity rate on COVID uh, peaking is kind of peaking at 9%, well below the wave three, which was 15.3%, which may be a positive also. So, uh, look, vaccine doses administered per day is up 75% since the low back in, in July. Uh, not anywhere near the, you know where it was back in the in early part of April, but it, it's still... It's still there. Now, the one thing that I think is kind of interesting, uh, like I said, French protesters are out there rallying against the health path. But what I think is the most important thing out there, uh, and, and this is something I, I think you've got to pay very close attention to. I talked about energy stocks at the beginning of the year. Energy is outperforming everything this year. It's up 26% year to date. Now, I also said three weeks ago, and you can go back and you can listen to this stuff because it's all there on the WHK, uh, you know, uh, on, on their uh, local podcast list. You can go back and listen to this. I said that most of the energy stocks were in zone five and six. You know, zone five and six is heavily overbought. That's where you write calls. And they come back. But look, one of the things that's kind of interesting, well, we got several things kind of interesting, I think. Number one is the short position that I've seen in energy stocks. Now I'm assuming this is still the way, the way it is, 
uh, is bigger or just as big as it was back in March of 2020. Now, I just saw on a technical basis what, what they call a golden cross, and that is where the 50-day moving average crosses over the 200-day moving average. That's a positive. So you got energy stocks, short interest, highest level since the start of the pandemic, fuel for the rally. You got the 50-day over the 200-day. That's another fuel for the rally. And you have oil services ETF has risen 13% in the last four days. So in short, if the Delta variant is receding, economic resilience is going to resume itself. Okay? And you got to remember that. Now, the other thing I talked about, <clears throat> we have a guy in, in, in the presidency that he's a greenie. Okay? If you're, if you're a liberal president, you're, a, you're into green. They've got killed. What do I say at the end of every show? Buy low, sell high. So I have a, our monthly focus is about green metals, industrial commodities in a decarbonizing world. And not only that, but, you know, there's a lot of names. Uh, you know, I had a little software company that went from 10 to 58. <laughs> it's back down to 14. And it was just a 10. There are lots of names in the hydrogen world that have been cut in half. Okay, good company. Maybe overvalued when they were way up there. Maybe a pretty decent value now. Solar companies been cut in half. Some by 60, 70%. Buy low, sell high. All right. All right. So, look, I'm seeing some technical signs. I was, I was listening to Rob Schleimer this week, who's our head technician, and a very good one at that, by the way. I don't think anybody's going to ever be in my heart like Bob Dickey, but uh, Rob's getting in there. <laughs> anyway. The Russell 2000, you know, I talked about it, the 10-year Treasury yield now, and the, and the regional banks. And I said that the regional banks and the 10-year Treasury, they all had looked like the same chart. I think the Russell 10, uh, 2000, you know, uh, zigged while the others zagged just once. Uh, but the same chart, you can't even tell the difference between the two of them. And I said last week and the week before that the the yield index broke its downtrend line, meaning the yield's breaking out, okay? And so aren't the small-cap banks. Well, the Russell got down to 2,132. That's a, and I said 2,100 was the line in the sand. And by the way, Rob Schleimer did too, so I was, you know, I was looking at the same stuff he was looking at. Boom, we bounced up almost 140 points. So if the Russell holds, we're in pretty good shape. Now, the last time the Russell did this was back in, uh, I think it was 2016, and they made a big move right after that, okay, a big, big move after that. Now, the only problem here is that the relative performance versus the S&P 500 has been fairly negative, so you've got to be careful there. But the 10-year Treasury yield did hold the 120 or 118 mark, and the relative momentum, RSI momentum, is starting to turn up. So that's you know, we're probably going to see higher interest rates coming up here. Uh, you know, and if you look, made a little double bottom, now it's making a higher low on that yield. So we'll see what happens. But I am seeing the cyclical industry, uh, you know, things like the regional banks, you know, they're following the same pattern as the as the 10-year yield. And the materials sector's bottom back in July and continues to show some, you know, signs of bottoming. And the transports index is showing some early signs of bottoming. That's good. That means the economy is going to be doing better, okay? And and that's what I think you've got to be uh, paying attention to. You know, look, people say people are probably wondering, Tim, you know, you, you're basically, you know, you look at growth all the time, and you're talking to us about the U.S. electrical grid? 
the, you know, the RBC Capital Markets Global Energy Power and Infrastructure and Virtual Conference. You know, aren't you talking about software just a couple years? Yes, we were. Things change, all right? And the electrical grid is going to have to change. If we're going to have electrical cars and we're going to have electrical stations where we plug our car in for a quick charge, the electrical grid is important. Energy is going to be important. Biden has cut off the two big pipelines. Buy low, sell high. All right, we'll be right back. Remember, if you have a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show, and you know, I, I thought something was uh, you know, a couple facts that you need to know. Vacation home sales rose by 16% in 2020 from the year before. That outpaced the uh, overall existing home sales by a lot because that was only 5.6%. The average number of video streaming services utilized per U.S. user declined for the first time on record from 7.2 to 7.06. That ain't much, by the way, but on a statistical basis, it is. You know, the FAA investigations into potential federal law violations where passengers interfere with the duties of crew members have reached their highest level since records began in 1995, just five months into 2021. And they said they had 394 such investigations. Come on, people, get your act together. That's all I got to say. All right. So I was looking at where the fund flows were this week, and I saw, you know, the fund flows went into energy big time, financial second, materials third, and then consumer services, uh, consumer discretionary industrials fourth, and, and then tech. And money came out of utilities, came out of consumer staples, and came out of healthcare. although healthcare did pretty well on the, on the charts, so we'll see what happens there. Um so, uh, well, a couple things. Uh, people have, I, I had a conversation with Michael, Barry, and uh, I can't read my name, but I think it's Adrian. Uh, Adrian was, uh, she just finished her Pilates workout. I talked to her. She was actually a pretty cool lady. And uh, she said, you sound so bearish. And I said, I'm not bearish. I just said the bullish percent is in column of O's. So, uh, look, here's there's some conflicting signals, and I and I would suggest from March 1st, and I said this in January, by the way. I think you can go back and listen to that because uh, I think they go back about a year, year and a half on my shows. Uh, I said that you know starting you know March we probably have a uh, you know uh, a correction. Well, you know it came to, the market came had a couple four or five percent corrections, but nothing big. But I would suggest we had a stealth correction since May. And a, a bad correction, and you know, for small caps between March and May, and, you know, a lot of small caps are down 30, 40 percent. And since May, you know, the cyclical ceased to run, run and of outperformance, and uh, sectors like energy and and financials kind of rolled over a little bit. Uh, and many stocks have experienced 10, 20, or even 30 percent pullback, some 40 or 50. Uh, so, look. I'm a little bit more constructive uh, and less negative because of a couple things. First of all, the breath deterioration has become less negative. 
All right. Uh, with the small caps rallying this week, I think that's very positive. And second, I'm finding plenty of, uh, of names making new highs, uh, particularly in technology. All right. Uh, there we go. And finally, I've noticed bullish momentum divergences on some key groups, particularly the energy sector. Okay. So, uh, you know, that's something that you, you've got to pay attention to because the energy sector led the way. All right. Uh, now, the, the other thing I, I, I want to talk about is, uh, <laughs> look, people are, I'm going to emphasize this a lot. Okay. And people are really negative on energy. It's not owned by anybody. You see, I talked to my clients and, you know, three very smart clients just basically didn't answer when I said, are you, you know, have you heard, heard anything about energy? They didn't say a word yet. From that time till now, you know, the average energy stock's up about 25%. And I, I you know, the relative strength, the RSI, I should say, turned positive this week. We had an 8% gain. Uh, stochastics are positive, you know, and I can name numerous stocks I really think look interesting uh, in that field. Yet uh, not too many people want <laughs> to listen. Now, the other thing that's kind of uh, – you know, and I'm, I'm then I'm going to talk about Rob Schleimer for a while because he's he's got some great stuff. But look, I noticed the Russell 2000 broke above, you know, its 50-day moving average, and I noticed gold had a breakout this week. And you know, gold looks like it's on a monthly cup and handle formation, or you know, it's there for the for the sake of it. In the meantime, the dollar, you and I judge the dollar by the UUP, which is the dollar index sold off pretty badly and then looks kind of crummy on the, on the charts, you know? Uh, so, uh, you know, that's something to, to worry about a little bit. And, and then finally, uh, you know, the, everybody's saying is a dollar going to be replaced by Bitcoin. And I, I, I think you're crazy to do that because look, Bitcoin, you know, there's lots of people who made a lot of money on it. That's good. And I, I'm not against that. Remember I, I said when it was down to 3,500, I said, it's not going down anymore, okay? Because it came from 20000 down. And uh, that was a hint <laughs> that it may go up. But it is still, you know, the problem with Bitcoin is you can pay somebody off, like the guys that are breaking into computers, the skin trade and the drug trade and et cetera, et cetera. You can pay them off and never be seen again. All right? So it is. It is causing disturbances in our law enforcement uh, group. So, look, the advanced decline line, uh, one of the things that it, it bugs me a little bit is it's kind of making lower highs. And, and, and it might have, you know, turned. But remember, uh, the advanced decline line always peaks before the rest of the market. So we really want to see some, uh, you know, uh, more more of that develop on the upside. All right. So look, you got the Russell 2000 retested and it held key support at its 200 day moving average, which is above 2100 and a similar technical pattern that developed in 2017 around the last fed tapering worries, by the way, which saw the Russell peak and spring and bottom in, uh, at its 200 day moving average in August. Sound familiar? Uh, and, and the 10 year yield is holding above its first key technical level at 1.22%. Did 
despite the breakdowns uh, to new correction lows that occurred for oil, copper, and uh, look, oil, I said I didn't think it was going to break 66 to 67. I was wrong. It went to 62. Now I'm seeing, you know, there's another uh, support area there, and it looks pretty good. Uh, copper, you know, I said a couple weeks ago or a week ago, I said, you know, they ain't going down. Well, they went down. <laughs> they broke down a little bit. So now not total breakdown, but, uh, you know, it, it it's kind of interesting. The 200-day moving average for oil was at 62, and it stopped right there. And copper also broke below support band and bounced from the next support, which is 400, right? It's rising 200-day moving average. So these are rising 200-day moving averages. It's interesting. The dollar, you know, broke above the key resistance level and then broke down. So interesting stuff going on. Um, now, I will say this. You know, Bob uh, Rob Schleimer, I'm sorry, I keep saying, thinking of Bob Dickey. Rob Schleimer always uses what is known as a quadrant balance momentum oscillator. So this, this is, you know, when – when this is down in the dumps is when you want to buy some of the stocks that you've never owned that you want to own, all right? And on a weekly basis, it is, it's down, okay? And then I look at the daily basis, and it's oversold too. So, uh, you know, this might be a, a good time to buy into a fall move, and, you know, we'll leave it at that. Uh, now, the advanced decline line is, is starting to pick up a little bit, so we'll see what happens. And I, I mentioned that on the – the uh, the yield index, you know, the 10-year yield, we got the 50-day crossing over the 200-day moving average, and that's kind of interesting. So, uh, you know, I think with the Russell holding, that's very important. And the other thing I want to talk about is the, the sentiment and the bullish sentiment. Uh, you know, and the bullish sentiment was pretty over-enthusiastic, uh, <laughs> too optimistic for Tim. Uh, and now that's pulled back kind of nicely. And the bears who were – you know, they were down at the 20% level. That's not a good sign. You want them in the 50% level. But they picked up. And so, it, you know, they're they're only at, uh, what, 31. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's starting to turn a little bit. Now, the neutral sentiment has increased, uh, which is always good. So people keep asking me about growth versus value. And one of the things I see is that if you look at the daily chart, nobody's winning here. And that, that's what's been going on for the last couple of months. You know, the stealth correction has occurred. Because, so what's happening is, you know, five days of growth, the next week growth is down. Five weeks of value, all right? And so it, it's it's going back and forth. And uh, there's still some stocks hitting some new highs. Uh, some of them are growth. Some are value. You know, it depends. Uh, I, I think it's something to pay close attention to. And then finally, I, the, the low beta versus the high beta. Low, low beta – uh, are stocks that move with the market. High beta is the stuff that moves big time when the market moves up, uh, and that has been turning up. It's correcting a little bit, but uh, I think you know you got to be paying attention to that too. But uh, once again, I think um, you you, you want to look at the dollar. The dollar hit right where there was resistance and fell down. So uh, that means gold probably does pretty well from here. Remember, this is a live show. If you got a question, two one six. 901-0945-216-901-0945. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
we're back. A little motorcycle music there. <laughs> For those of you on your motorcycles today. Hey, a um, couple things. No, number one, oil. I think we've got to talk about oil. Nobody else is. You know, oil has the lowest ownership in the S&P 500 in about 20 years. And oil took off back then, right? So I think you also got to think about the Greens because we've got a Green president. They're down 50, 60% in most cases, some down 70, 80% from their high. Uh, pay attention, but crude oil was interesting because it broke a double bottom. I was starting to worry. And I, you know, I basically said that the crude, the, the, the oil stocks were overbought, you know, that 89% of them were in zone five or six. And the zone theory was developed uh, by a good friend of mine, Jim Yates. Uh, and it, it, he, he used to come to Chicago all the time when I lived there and uh, worked at Lehman Brothers. And, and he would show us this zone thing. And it, it, we got the report pretty much once a week. And it was, it was a dynamite report because everything in zone five and six is overbought. Everything in zone one or two is oversold. So you buy calls in zone one and you sell them in zone five or six, right? But we said all the oil and gas stocks were all in zone five or six. Now they pull back. And right at support, oil reversed up. It was up 8%. Oil service stocks were up about 8% last week. Keep that in mind. Uh, you know, keep that in mind. So uh, technical, we, we always talk about the bullish percent on the show. And, and the reason we do is because it's our, well, it's our main risk guide. Okay. So the good news is domestic equities are still the number one asset class out there. Uh, international equi equities are second, commodities are third. Uh, they're, they're, by the way, second and third, they're, they're like one percentage point away from each other. Uh, but they had no relative strengths. Commodities did. They were in second place for a while. The relative strength versus the top performing asset class, I, I don't know of any other asset class that has the relative strength that domestic equities have. That's positive. Remember, back in 2007, at the end of the year, I came on this show and I said, that the money market would outperform the stock market because the money market had the highest relative strength of any asset class. That ain't a good sign. Domestic equities having the highest relative strength and number one on the asset class list is a positive sign. However, we are in a column of O's right now. Now, this the bullish percent is basically point figure charts. When you have the offensive team, you're a column of X's. Depending on where your your field position is, if you're at 70, you want to hand the ball off to the fullback. If you're at five or 10, you can throw the bomb. Okay, uh, so we got up to 70. Matter of fact, we we went between 50 and 80, and 50 at 78, 50 and 76, 74, 72, and we just kept going back and forth. I'm sorry, not 50, 60, and and so we made a series of lower highs. Then we broke through that. So that's not a good thing. All right. So we're in a column of O's right now, which means the risk is higher. And trust me, when, when the risk is higher, all right, things fall faster than they go up. Sorry, that's the way it is. You know, people are – fear and greed run the stock market. Fear is – you know, there's always a wall of worry when stocks are going up. But when they start to blow out in the bottom, it's just fear. Get me out, all right? So we're in a column of O's right now. We're at 55, not great field position. And we have the same thing with the over-the-counter index at, at 42. 
Uh, and the world index is the same way at 42 also. So, uh, you know, this point and figure chart has goes from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everything's hot to trot, okay? And that's what we had in the first three or four months of the year. When you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when everybody – nobody wants to take my phone calls. <laughs> nobody listens to the show. I feel like, the you know, the Maytag repairman, okay? And But that's the time to buy. That's the time when you should be greedy, folks, okay? It's that simple. So we're getting close on the over-the-counter index, the smaller caps, and the world index. So it's been a bumpy week for the markets. And I, I think that when you're in a column of O's, you could be looking over your shoulder a little bit, all right? Take a look at your portfolio. I look at my clients' portfolios all the time. I'm constantly looking. I look at 10, 20 portfolios a day, and I write down what I think I should, you know, are these sales? You know, that's what I, column of a, a T squared. These are my buys. These are my sales, okay? So it's just something to be careful with. And, you know, I'm seeing stocks hit new highs. And I looked at the S&P 500 and saw what was the main stocks behind the S&P 500 hit new highs. It was Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, Alphabet, both the A and the C class, Pfizer, Facebook, Bank America, J.P. Morgan, Adobe, Salesforce, Netflix, Tesla, Berkshire Hathaway, and Danaher. you know, in the third quarter, that, that was that was in the last, uh, uh, you know, August, basically, okay? In the third quarter, it was kind of the same with Costco, Cisco, and Johnson & Johnson thrown in there with Procter & Gamble and Eli Lilly, all right? So, uh, you know, it, it's not a huge move that we're seeing on all the stocks, case. So what we want to see is that bottom 300 in the S&P 500 start to participate if we do we're in great shape. I've got a lot of stocks that are rated five, which is the highest on Dorset Right system. And I got a whole list of them. And but there's not enough of them. You know, we need more. It's what it comes down to. Remember, when you when you have a strong bull market, you have the kings and the knights leading the way, and then you have the foot soldiers, the archers, the guys in the supply train following up. Okay, so that's important. Uh, now, it was kind of a positive week. For a, for a lot of the indexes, because, the, you know, like the QQQs had a new high this week. It has a high fund score. Uh, you know, they, they just added a couple big growth stocks to that index uh, this week, CrowdStrike and another one. Um, so, you know, it's good to own the index, but you you got to be careful how you own the index. Because, look, let's go to, and we always talk about uh, groups. There's only one favorite sector right now, banks. Only one favorite sector, down from 36 back in February. But like the sign curve, you know, you never want to buy when everything's to the right, which we were. We're moving to the left. We now have about five or six groups below 30. We've got most of our groups below 50. That's a good sign. But we have only one favored sector. Isn't that interesting? I did notice this week, though, that healthcare has started to turn back up, which is good uh, because, uh, you know, they're the guys that save the day in so many words. You know, they save the day. All right. So uh, there's a lot of groups that, you know, savings and loans, which have been uh, the most favored, is now average. And then we had steel, semiconductors, textiles, and gas utilities move to 
you know, if I look at the, there's five different groups that are number one, and then with zero traits, oil and real, uh, real estate. So it's kind of an interesting time, I guess. Uh, you know, I looked at foreign indexes and the, and the relative strength between developed emerging markets has remained largely the same over the week. And that is, you know, it's better to be in U.S. domestic stocks than it is to be in, in uh, especially China. China saw some serious de- de- deterioration. Uh, so it's something to think about. But, you know, the, the funny thing is, if you take the Chinese technology stocks out, China looks pretty good. The Shanghai index, if you take those technology stocks out, look pretty good. Now, if I looked at some of the frontier, you know, like the Morgan Stanley corporate index for frontier stocks, uh, which, you know, I'm not going to tell you the ETF symbol, but, you know, you go look at it yourself. It is too high this week. All right. So as long as you take the technology out of it, that which the Chinese government is beaten up. Remember, we downgraded the whole Asian sector because of what the Chinese government's doing. Then, you know, we'll look from there. But with fixed income, I think that, you know, bond investors looked at uh, Jackson Hole Symposium and, and Chief Powell, uh, Powell's speech on Friday as guidance. And the 10 year Treasury uh, reversed up sharply on Wednesday and then uh, continued on Friday right after his speech. So um, if I look at the, you know, further out the 30 year yield index, it also reversed up too. It, it hit 1.95 on its default chart. Uh, so that's kind of good. But if I was looking at bonds, I'd still look at convertible bonds, municipals, inflation protected, and corporate high yield bonds. But you know that, that they that's a tough group because uh, you know they are you know we're in a column of O's, and they are kind of a bond. I mean a stock surrogate. You know, so they they bounce a lot with the stocks. Now, crude oil has been negative for seven weeks now, and I think it turned up Friday, but I'm not sure. And gold turned up on Thursday with the dollar getting beat up. Uh, so that, there we go. So commodity prices were kind of searching for some near-term direction, and uh, they continue to firm up. But the, the recent surge in Bitcoin is kind of interesting. So, you know, uh, Bitcoin got creamed and then broke a, a double top, and, and now, you know, is up there. So I think they may be using Bitcoin because of how much money there is out there. And it's good for, the, you know, the younger generation loves it. Uh, is taking over for gold. So it would be interesting to see, uh, you know, how that works. Uh, I, I'm not recommending Bitcoin, by the way. I, I don't play with Bitcoin at all. So uh, I'm just leaving it at that. Um, you know, I, I would say this. If you look at relative strength, and this is something we talk about every week, relative strength is a measure of how a stock is performing when it's compared to something else. In this case, it's the equal weight index of the S&P 500. And you know what? I think I only have two stocks that went to a buy signal this week. And that's my medics group. It's a little biotech company. And Trillium Therapeutics, which got acquired. I have numerous sell signals, ASA Gold, uh, American Axle, Cree Research, Freeport McMoran, uh, Halliburton, Hecla Mining, Service Properties, uh, Arch Rock, Lancaster Properties, Le- Lancaster Colonial, I'm sorry, uh, Lee Enterprises, iRobot, SM Energy, uh, Tata Motors, Wind Resources, Vanda uh, Pharmaceuticals, Affirmed NV, uh, not to affirm the biotech, I mean the software company, Affirmed Biotech, Planet Fitness, and Biogene. Uh, so, and by the way, I think Uber did this week, and I, uh, you know, we'll find out, Ooster on Monday. 
Uh, Joby Aviation, DD Global, which is Uber's, uh, you know, that's why they're selling Uber off. So anyway, you know, you look at this and you say to yourself, what's going on here? You know, <laughs> uh, we're getting a lot of different uh, uh, groups that are changing position very quickly. Okay. And that's where that stealth correction comes in. And, uh, you know, the stealth correction is something that, uh, you know, the market keeps hitting new highs, but underneath there's a lot of turbulence, a lot of turbulence. And once again, you know, like I said, the average stock's down, down about 18 to 20%. So uh, there's, there's just a handful of stocks that are up, and they're causing the, the index to, get, to hit new highs. It's because they're market capitalization indexes. All right, so stay tuned. Remember, we have uh, we take any live questions, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show, and this is where we talk about insiders. So what we're doing is we're taking Lori Cal Messina's stuff and and guys like Tom Lee and, and all sorts of strategists, and we're moving, we're taking a big, huge economy and we're turning it down into ideas. Now, I'm not telling you whether to buy these ideas, because I buy some of them, but I match the fundamentals with the technicals, with insider buy sometimes, okay? So, well, first of all, uh, here's one where Merrick Okamoto bought 1.322 million shares and Fred Thiel, who I believe is Peter Thiel's brother, bought 16,000 shares or $620,000 worth. And uh, it's called Marathon Digital. Also, Pulse Biosystems. Uh, which is using nanopulse technology to obviate uh, skin lesions and stuff like that. Mitch Levinson bought 65,510 shares for 1.2 million. And then Oak Hill Advisors bought Valeris Limited, which is an oil and gas. And uh, they started out one day and they bought 1.539 million. Then two days later, they bought 1.594 million. And then on Friday, they bought 2.4 million. Not bad chump change. And here's an interesting one because this is Baker Brothers bought this stock right about the same point. Uh, the CEO of Neo Lucan bought 150,000 shares. Uh, bought 100, then he bought 50. Uh, average price about 675. And then I noticed Virgin Galactic, we had five insiders buy uh, 4,760 shares each. Uh, that's only about 650,000, but it is five guys. So it's the entire board, by the way. So pay attention to that. And then uh, Alpha Healthcare acquisition. And numerous people, uh, the dir- a director uh, bought 1.5 million shares. That's 15 million. Uh, Laura Nicklayson, who was uh, the president and CEO, she bought uh, 15 million too. Um, and we had uh, Josh Kushner, who's, who's oh, no, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong stock. So uh, they they bought uh, about thirty one million dollars uh, between the two of them, and then Josh Kushner, who you might know, 
Uh, Oscar Healthcare, which just got creamed. It was a $30 stock. is now 14 uh, He stepped up the plate, bought a million shares, uh, which is about $13 million. Then he bought another 217000 two days later. That's about $3 million. Then he bought another 204,000 shares, which is 2.8 million. And then he bought another uh, 125,000 shares, which is 1.6 million. Then he bought another 68,000 shares, which is 919,000. So, and then, uh, by the way, he bought two more times. Uh, So he's, needless to say, he he likes the stock. (laughs) And then uh, Raphael Holdings, which is in the biotech field, uh, we had, Howard Jonas, uh, Jonas, I'm sorry, who's chief executive officer, buy about five million dollars worth of stock. Pretty, pretty good uh, chump. You know, it's not chump change. And then, uh, Saraville Therapeutics. We had our friends at Perceptive Advisors buy 1.9 million, and then two days later, they bought 1.7 million, uh, and that's not dumb money either. And then uh, Macrodal Libra, which is uh, a kind of an internet retailer like Amazon in Argentina. We had one of their directors buy $1.5 million worth. It's only 845 shares because it's a very high-priced stock, but he did buy it. Uh, looks good on the charts, too. It's hitting a new high, which is always good. And then uh, Apartment Investment Management Group, which is a REIT, we had uh, a director, Terry Constantine, buy uh, $1.4 million. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, Perceptive Advisors uh, bought another $1.4 million worth of uh, uh Cerebral. So, but Terry Constantine then came out and bought another million dollars worth of uh, apartment investment. So you like seeing stuff like that. And, um, you know, you like to see it more and more uh, as they, they come on board. Also, uh, there, there's one that's a small one, and, and that there's two people that, that bought it. One was the president and chief executive, and his name is Sharat Sharan. And that's uh, on 24, which is a software, he bought 519,000, and then Barry Shorenstein, who's a director, bought another 511,000. So that's that's really interesting as far as Tim's concerned, simply because of the fact that that stock's down and out. You like you like to see the guys come in and 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 buy uh, when things are down and out. Uh, you know, the, now one other thing is uh, we have Kevin Lalandi, who has bought. Uh, you know, uh, Lumo, Loomis Pharmaceuticals. Remember, that was, uh, you know, the, the insiders were buying around eight about a week ago, and he came in and bought uh, a couple more times. So we try to follow up on stuff we haven't seen, you know, in a while, and, uh, you know, that that's obviously one of them. And then uh, Bright Health, uh, you know, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. We had uh, Adair Newhall. Uh, he, he bought th- uh, three or four more times. It's uh, about... 450,000. So you like seeing that now. All right. So what do we do now? I I truly think that if I was a betting man, um, you know, I'd be looking at a couple things. Number one, you know, what I think is happening in Washington. I, I can't understand why these people with, you know, are talking about this infrastructure bill and all this stuff, about what's going on in Afghanistan. But, um, you know, obviously uh, uh, the House and the Senate are, you know, have blinders on and are focused on this thing. Um, and I, I, I think it's because they don't think they're going to have the House majority uh, a year from now. So the, the point is, is that this will slow down the economy, in my humble opinion. They're raising taxes. 
and they are taking the buying decision out of our hands and giving it to the government. You know, and as Ryan Reagan used to say, the worst thing you can have happen is somebody knock on your door and say, hey, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. <laughs> All right? The government is the worst spender of money I've ever seen in my life. Uh, they're just terrible at it. And so they're taking it out of our hands and put it in their hands. And I think that's uh, that's going to be bad for consumption. That's my opinion. Uh, this is Tim Hayes' opinion, nobody else, by the way. So if taxes go up and they get this through, now this, it may not happen because Mr. Mr. Biden doesn't have the, the greatest thing. And I also think there's, uh, you know, they have to increase the debt limit to do it. And I don't. I think they. I don't think they can do that through reconciliation. Reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation. I'm sorry. And uh, you know, so you have to pay attention there. Uh, but I would suggest the dividends, prime income list, and the dividend growth portfolio are going to be very, very important in the next coming years if this gets passed. Because nobody wants to take a capital gain. Because if you make more than four hundred thousand dollars, and actually, by the way. If I read this right, if you make more more than two hundred fifty, you get taxed at your regular income for capital gains. That'll just kill a lot of things. Believe me, that particular tax right there will kill a lot of things. You can't, you know, you got to keep it and hope that they change it because what they're going to do is they're going to tax your children. Uh, you know, they're going they're not getting the new cost basis on your date of death. They are getting the original cost basis, so uh, they're going to get their money. That's what the Democrats want. They, you know, they're going to tax us. Uh, now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm a Republican, so I can say that, but this this will slow down the economy. So I'd be looking at the prime income list and the dividend growth list if I were a, a betting man. So, look, I want to review what we've said today because it's important. And number one, oil has broken out, okay, or a reverse trend anyway. Uh, there's a huge short position in oil. All right. And I think you got to pay attention to that, too. I also think this, you know, we're coming through the end of the dog days of August. I think one of the positives is the Russell 2000 came right down to its, you know, its 200 day moving averages with 2100 came to 2132 and reversed up. I think it was up 130 bucks over the week. So that's a big positive. Some of the small caps, some the archers have come back. I don't know if the foot soldiers have come back, but the archers have come back to help us in the war. And. So that's a that's a big positive. And interest rates are starting to turn up. And like I said earlier, materials and the transports are starting to turn. All right. That's a big positive. Uh you, you want that to happen. Uh you know, that means the economy is is getting better. All right. So I think that's you know equally important. And like I said, you know, the, the real problem I have here is the relative performance of the small caps versus the S&P 500. Back in 2017 and 16, when they they went sideways like this, the relative performance went down a little bit, but not to the degree it has now. So that'd be the one question. The 10-year yields, the relative strength looks like it's turning up. Uh, so the yields probably could go up a little bit here uh, without hurting anything. But you know, the three key sectors I think right now are the regional banks, the material sector, and the transports. So remember those. In the meantime, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list are great ideas. At interest rates, at, as somebody said to me the other day, at 4,000-year lows, and I don't know if that's true or not, uh, it's better to borrow 
than to buy bonds, okay? Let somebody else buy your bond. Let the bank buy your bond. So the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook is a good thing. Women and Wealth, a planning guide for all you ladies out there. Money matters for the young professionals. So if you're young and you don't know what you're doing, this is a good step in the right direction. Uh, a Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning, good idea. But we also have our top ideas, our ADR list, which is American Depository Receipts, foreign stocks that traded on our, our uh, exchanges for liquidity. Uh, we have our small cap best idea list. We have our multi-cap idea, which has done really, really well, by the way. And then I highly recommend the U.S. electrical grid. You know, we got to upgrade that big. If we're going to have electric cars and all that stuff, we got to upgrade it big. And then the RBC Capital Markets Global Power and Infrastructure Conference. Good reading. Fantastic reading, even if you don't buy anything. In the meantime, it's going to be a hot and sweaty weekend, but enjoy yourself. This is a Smart Investor Show. My name is Tim Hayes. If you'd like to have a, uh, a conference, my number is on the webpage. Go to WHK Local Podcast down to Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.